Greetings, everybody. I think that we are officially alive. Although I'm not seeing this on our Facebook page. Let's see here. Yeah, we are. <gasps> there we are. Welcome, everybody, from Miami, Florida. I'm what? here with um, the lovely Martha Creek, who I see there's a lot of buzz on our Facebook about you doing this today, so thank you. You're welcome. Um, we actually are not going to start yet because we're going to take a moment to share this on our own pages um, so that we can build as many people as possible so that we can um, get this information out there. So if you just hold on um, just a few moments, we're going to share this and get it out there. So if you go to Unity's page, Martha has, it do me, do, has me do it for her. Let's see here. I'm learning. <laughs> so I'm having tea time with myself because I have a lot of questions too. And a, and a guru with me, Jason. I try. Let's <laughs> turn this down. So while you're waiting for us to do this, um, why don't you share in the comments section where you're watching from because we would love um, to see how far reaching this is. Absolutely. And love to you, and thank you for being here, too. The buzz Jason's referring to is a um, buzz understanding holistically that everything that we question here today and get a new idea about, we raise our own consciousness. And, of course, as we raise our own consciousness, we've raised that for the whole. So I consider it a quite a holy, holy time. And your participation in here is certainly a gift, and I'm extremely grateful for it. So let us know where you're coming from, where you are, how you got here. Certainly submit your questions, and just kick back, have some tea or sparkling water or whatever you can have, <laughs> and refresh yourself and play with us. Yeah, and while we continue to share this, um, be thinking about any questions you have about energy leaks. Um, as Martha and I dialogue throughout this 45-minute conversation, um, we'll be taking your questions in chronological order on the comments section. So we will try to get to everybody's comments, but it's not always possible. Um, but I hope we can. I believe so. I'm just going to share this in a few more places, and then we will get started. Even begin to think about what energy leaks mean to you. You know, it's, it's more defined as things either strengthen us and give us energy or they deplete us and weaken us. So anything, it could be thought processes, old beliefs, it could be some pattern that we're in, a habit that we're doing. Um, it could also be the clutter, like what's on our desk. Like we, every time we look at our desk, it drains our energy. There's a lot about feng shui relative to energy leaks that you walk in your closet and <laughs> kind of gasp like something's going to fall out on you or something like that. Or you open a drawer and it's so frustrating because there's something in there. It could also be traffic, you know, what's in your car. Um, so there's, there's plenty of places we can go today as we look at this. You know, I'm so glad that you mentioned the desk thing because <laughs> as you can see, I have, a, I have a clear desk, but what you're not seeing is everything behind the camera. Um, but I'll say it, it's because I have a little office, but it does drain my energy looking at mm -hmm. clutter, looking at, I mean, look at that over there. <laughs> I mean, that just really. Yeah. What he's pointing to is what's typical in most of our spaces, even in our car, on our desk, in our bedrooms, and it's just a countertop that's full of anything that had to be moved somewhere that kind of got piled up there. So it's what we do in a hurry, it's what we do when we're frustrated or um, looking for some focus. So 
then eventually to, for every day that that goes without being kind of uncluttered or undone, then we're undone and our minds get more and more cluttered. So this is an indicator. We'll all come away, hopefully, including me with a to-do list. <laughs> and I got one on the way here, uh, strikingly, because now I'm living in a hotel, as most of you know, and um, the hotel's been giving me gifts and I'm not into accumulating, so all those gifts have to be placed somewhere before I actually load up that suitcase to go again. And how tempting it is to put it in that suitcase and to think about who I'm gonna give it to and who back home I can give it to or something like that versus no, it cannot go in the suitcase. So somebody's gonna be my family in Miami. So here goes the food somewhere, here goes the sparkling water somewhere, here goes the two books I've gotten. So it's really a mindfulness that seems so str so stringent, actually, and um, even extreme. But I know if I don't do it, that I'm the one that's under the effects of that, too. <laughs> so I've got plenty of practicing to do, believe me. <laughs> you know, it's amazing how just the giving of, of something, like the hotel is just giving you this, and how it can take away so much energy in somebody's life. Like, there's people out there that are really good about being like, I don't want this. But then there's other people out there like, this was given to me and I can't just get rid of it. Like I literally have to either hold on to it, um, find somebody to give it to. And for me, it opens up my mind to like how uh, much energy is expended every day just on simple little things. It's a fantastic point. And I just had a new insight listening to you, Jason, because mm -hmm. the truth is I could actually leave it in the hotel room. And I've taken on such a role as a facilitator. Mm -hmm. Like if it was left in my care, I've got to be the one that does something with it versus mm -hmm. just because it was left in my care mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I've got to do something with it. That it can be left right where I found it. And that is a breakthrough for me, <laughs> I can tell you. So I got what I came for Yay. <laughs> on, the, on tea time. Cheers. Well, cheers to that. Cheers. But let's also talk about, um, I think, something that you always talk about is um, guilt and shame and maybe uh, like for me not wanting to just leave it behind there's a lot of guilt in that or a lot of shame like um, I find myself to be a people pleaser so like even if I don't know this person it's like I still want to do the right thing well you're right on it which mm -hmm. is why I would often take it because they will not feel appreciated they'll think mm -hmm. I don't care about them um, they'll think I'm an ungrateful person, that I miss their <laughs> generosity, mm -hmm. instead of me, um, like I'd already written two or three love notes to the staff. I've already done some very specific things for the staff to reciprocate and mm -hmm. to show my gratitude. I've already written a letter to the man that's in charge of this property that is so generous to make this property available to me when I come here to serve with you all. Mm -hmm. So I've already done quite a bit in, in that that would be the better demonstration of my appreciation guiltlessly, shamelessly, than trying to take on the physicality of moving that stuff around <laughs> or of doing it right, for lack wow. of a better way. And thank you for mentioning guilt and shame because, yeah. yes, I'm less and less into that. And I'm going to keep saying it so I can hear it, that there's another option bes yeah. besides heaping more shame on and, and heaping more guilt on, which is the biggest energy leak there is in the world mm -hmm. unless we're going to use guilt as uh, like a wake-up call that mm -hmm. guilt reports to me that I was out of integrity with myself that um, that is not in alignment with my values mm -hmm. uh, that I left myself in some way that I abandoned like really what I care about then mm -hmm. guilt is an, an informant if, mm -hmm. if you will 
and not though to um, hate myself and recriminate and masochism. So can be used powerfully, but unless it's used mindfully and powerfully, then it's <laughs> weight, heaviness. Well, that's, that, that's my nugget of a takeaway. The guilt can actually be used in a positive way if it's informing us of being out of integrity, like you said. That's awesome. Yes, which realigns us like the GPS. Like you took a wrong mm -hmm. turn here or you're on a dead end street. Like go back, turn back, <laughs> turn back. <laughs> Let's, I, you know, out of the corner of my eye, I see these questions rolling okay, in. Okay, good. So we, we need to, oh, hi, Dale Stein. Hi, Dale. Dale's a music minister here. <laughs> you can see him on the video from yesterday singing us into heaven. Uh, let's see, Juan says, just a few steps away from both of you, so feeling your energy not through <laughs> oh. Facebook, but through the hallway. Yeah, Reverend Juan's literally a couple offices down from us. He's Hi, our Juan. associate minister here, and a lovely, lovely um, man that I'll be using now since yesterday's talk here. I've got a, a word that's live in me that is heart-based living. And it came from that video, but it's also about energy leaks as I was reflecting on this time that we would have together this afternoon, like when I'm not in a heart-based living, a heart-based approach to what I'm looking at, to the interaction I'm going into, to the person that's here, um, then that's an energy leak for me. So mm -hmm. it's like get heart-based before proceeding. And wow. when I get heart-based, I don't deplete my energy then a heart-based living keeps my energy full and uplifted. So I'm going to come away um, as full or fuller than I was going in mm. versus coming away from interactions, drained. crawling out, drained. Mm. Yes, honey. And then blaming <laughs> whoever I was in the interaction <laughs> with, but they did it. Instead of <laughs> like, no, I, I failed to plug in myself. I yeah. failed to get into my own center. So before anybody on here asks the question, is there such a thing as a energy vampire, as people like to call them? Well, I think it's thinking. I don't mm. think a person is an energy vampire, but mm. I think if I continue to go into situations where I feel depleted or drained, that mm. I'm the vampire, that I'm doing that to myself. Mm. And that if I can't bear that, if I don't have the resilience to run that energy in a balanced way, and not to lose energy in that interaction or with that personality or something that it's incumbent on me to set some limits with that. Mm -hmm. So I'm not gonna call them an energy vampire. I'm gonna be aware that I have to run a different energy when I'm with them. Gotcha. And that it, that's my responsibility to do that. And if I don't do that and I keep putting myself back into those same situations, then I'm the one that's really mistreating me. Wow. So this is, this is huge because yeah. it really shifts it out of that who's the matter with me yeah. to um, setting limits and taking responsibility for my own energy. Which is taking 100% responsibility for your life, which is empowering in itself. It is. And it's like using another word, like energy to some can even sound woo-woo-ish or something. But if you see it as your life's vitality... You know, that like we wake up each day, if we get 100%, here's your 100%, it's Monday, 100%. Then by 9 o'clock, we're at 80%. And by, mm. by noon, we're at 40%. And then we keep draining off, draining off versus no, I've got to, I've got to like learn how to regulate myself so that I can have 100% in the morning and then not be drained at the end of the day. So as mm. that starts to drain and I start to catch myself draining it, that I catch it quicker. Mm. Like that example from the workshop 
Saturday about the car going down the hill. Mm -hmm. Like I can't let things go and go and go and then try to stop them. Yeah. I've got to catch it quicker and quicker. So when I catch myself coming away from any interaction or any task, any part of my work day, a phone call, whatever it may be, that I restore myself before I keep going, that I get some practice of restoring myself before proceeding. So then I can stay full, fuller. Mm. Thank you. And not full of something else. <laughs> <laughs> Which are wobbly duck pretty, here. Pretty tempting. Right. <laughs> okay, back to the, I swear we're gonna get to the questions Okay, here. questions. Okay. So I'm just going through the comments here. I am actually gonna just skip over people who are just making comments. Uh, don't take it personally we're just looking for questions i promise to read them yes she will thank you for making them uh let's see virginia's making a lot of comments i love this but she does have one question what do you say about digital energy suckers what would you suggest around that well i think that varies for people you know um wherever i've not met a person yet that wasn't drained if they overdo digital um activity and for some, they could be on there 10 minutes and be drained. Others could go an hour and then start to feel drained. Others may spend eight hours on there and go into some kind of stupor or something. So I think it varies from person to person. I am hyper alert to it. And I've had um, it, uh, many, many chances to look at it because I live with this as a calendar this is um, the reminders my alarms are here uh, whose birthday it is is here um, my communications here emailing documents so this is quite an office for me so there's a, a, quite a bit of temptation then to use it as an excuse to be on it and while i'm pretty committed to like being on media to see who's trying to contact me to be of some support to serve those who are serving it's mighty mighty alluring and mighty mighty tempting to just start looking and just start trolling and reading and and whatever and to just fall off into some never never land that is not okay with me not because it's wrong or right i don't think it's moral or ethical it's just a not a wise use of my vitality and it's not a wise use of my creative life force so I am out of integrity with myself when I do that. Mm -hmm. So whatever my limit is wouldn't be your limit, Virginia, or whoever's listening. It's important, though, for you to be um, truthful. Well, it's important for me to be truthful with myself. So I naturally think it would be important for you to be truthful with yourself on how much lift you're getting out of the digital world and where you come away from the digital world regretful, or ashamed that you spent so much time on it or um, wishing you hadn't like that. It's, it's, it can be quite hangover-ish. So you've got your answer and I know that you're, <laughs> I know you can apply that. Your own wisdom will guide you for it. I'll say two things to that. I think um, digital or these big tech companies are waking up to this um, and they've actually put tools now on the phones where you can monitor um, your time spent on there. Um, so that's one thing. I'm glad that they're waking up to that. The other thing that you didn't mention that you use this for are these pictures that you take that are now um, being displayed in our foyer here for the month of October. Um, so when you come here on a Sunday, you can check out Martha's um, creative photos in our foyer. 
so she she uses this phone for really for everything I really do I really do and I'd love you to discover the art um, it's very simply to put these images out into the world and to remind you of what you love why you love and where you love and there's a website for it that's got quite a bit of the collection on there although the collections like 50,000 there's about a hundred on there and it's up a creek art UPPA Creek art if you want to go check it out back to questions um, Lisa says will this be available to view later um, yes it will it actually gets posted to our Facebook page so you can go back and look at it we also upload it to our YouTube channel um, a couple days from now uh, Melina or Melanie says hi Martha and Jason hi Melanie hi um, all right Juan has a big question here. okay Let's see I would love for you to talk about the challenge of trying to have less stuff while in a relationship with others I get a lot of grief from my family about not wanting to save all of my son's books and I find it difficult to balance my need for less stuff and the clinging to those things from others is it just a codependency to the relationship to feel the guilt others are placing on me? Yes. <laughs> Thanks for the question. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> well, honey, and nobody's free of this. I mean, everybody with a pulse has a codependency tendencies, and most people would deny it. That means that they're further into the codependency than we are, who is not denying it anymore. And not to see codependency as a cross to bear or something versus it's just a part of our human nature that nobody wants to hurt a family member's feelings or, you know, make somebody mad or have somebody to come away from an interaction believing they were disrespected or we weren't grateful for what they did. And then as we mature and grow up and continue to do that, then we have to, I have to, and we can learn to define ourselves in relationship to them. So they may want to have this many books and they're free to. It's like, that's not a problem. There's nothing wrong with that. And I want to have this many books. So then my uh, value is out of alignment with theirs. And then the hell, the greater kind of stress in that is uh, trying to convince them that this is a better way versus just accepting they can have all the books in the world they want and this is the number of books I'm going to have. And please don't see it as disrespectful. Like I don't have all the books you gave my son because I can't find them. Then I can't get in the room and the bookshelf was full. And it was um, um, not, and not was, was not true for me. So I'm not saying no to you as a parent. I'm not saying no to you as a beloved grandmother. I'm saying no to this amount of books. So I'm saying no to a quantity, not to your soul. So the no is not to your soul. The no is not to the relationship. The no is to this quantity of something. In this case, books. It could be a jewelry, necklaces, shoes, purses. Uh, any number of things and that's been helpful to me over the years was to keep a clear distinction between what I'm saying no to is not a person and it's not a relationship I'm saying no to a transaction and I'm saying no to the uh, amount of things that I want in my space and I'm the one that lives here and I'm the one that's responsible for my own vitality my own health and wholeness and wellness and I can't be as good of a caretaker with myself if I've got those things to tend to. So I have to set some limits on it and to get more minimal about it in some cases without making minimalism right or wrong or the good way and mm -hmm. then materialism is a bad way and it's like mm -hmm. there's no such thing as bad or good it's just 
what is more in alignment with my own energy, how it runs, and my own values for my life. So um, I'd be happy to do a session and I'll, we can practice being your family if you want to, Juan. <laughs> I'm sure I'll enjoy that. Mm -hmm. um, Jessica says, how can I not get drained by my mother who needs my support during her illness? Well, it's for to question, there's a few things there, honey, um, to look at your belief that she needs you. So even though your mother thinks she needs you, um, that may or may not be true. So then if you just fell over here, I mean, it's shocking to say, but we, we you know, go into the mind, into the reality that says if you just fell over here, that your mother would just go right along. Somebody would step in, there'd be caregivers, somebody that would be there. That's been the way of it since the beginning of time. So there's really none of us that needs to be here. There's none of us that is actually needed. So it's a false idea. So you, if you're into the work, thework.com is a website. It's a free technology, a way to question what we're thinking and believing that includes, she needs me, is that true? She needs me. What's the consequences on me when I'm believing that thought? And then I'm drained. I can't do it all. I feel overwhelmed. Um, I don't get to what's important to me. I worry about her. So it's very consequential usually. And then the next question is, who would I be in relationship to my mother if I simply no longer believe that she needs me? Then I could hear her request. I could check in to see, is it honest action for me? Is it sensible? Is it something I can actually do? Is it my responsibility? Uh, who else could do it? Where else could I get support? How do other people do this? Um, I could have a more open mind, therefore more options for myself. And then the more options I can exercise, the less drained I'm going to be about it. And then the turnaround, of course, to she needs me is, I need me. I need me to be present for myself. I need me to give me support as well. So as I support my mother, I'll be better able to support my mother is when I support myself well first. So like I can't support Jason if this cup is empty. So I pour and pour and pour and pour, but he's not really benefited because I didn't fill the cup up first. So. I bless you in that, honey. This primordial relationship with our mothers and fathers are some of the uh, biggest ones and often the biggest ones for us to uh, learn through and grow through. And I know that you're equipped to do it and that you've got some tools, inner tools, and some tools that have been offered here for you to uh, apply when you're ready. Good answer. And um, as I'm listening to you, I hear a lot of emphasis being put on the the perpetual thinking that goes on with a lot of these situations and how that is one of the biggest drains of energy it's like this thing up here just never stops so what would you tell people um if that is the case if this is a huge energy leak what would you tell people to do about that well anything that works and for some, it could be a breath or two, just a conscious breath can be enough to kind of come out of that part mm -hmm. and back into a grounded, what you may call grounded or a more centered state. So breathing, we've been taught for over 2,000 years to simply pause and take a breath. 
So that may be enough to do it. If it's not, there's very proven techniques, techniques scientifically that includes journaling, writing it out, just having a big mind dump. So instead of trying to track it all up here, it all goes out on a paper, on a worksheet, uh, through radical forgiveness or through the work or some other mechanism where this mind can be expressed on paper, then it's not so heavy and not so uh, overwhelming to try to track it here. The other thing is, another thing is to just isolate one of those thoughts, not all of them, which mm -hmm. is like um, t um, millions, <laughs> but to just isolate one thought and begin to work on one thought. And I personally had a big breakthrough. I almost stopped doing the work because the mind, as you described, Jason, was so infinite. Mm. Like it, and, and, and uh, wouldn't stop and can't be quiet in that. And I had a vision of all of these thoughts, 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 thoughts. I don't know if you can see this or not. And then it's like, okay, if there's millions of thoughts, what's the hope for me? How, why bother? You know, like, why don't we all just crawl into the cover with a bag of M&Ms and call it a day? <laughs> and what I was able to do is what I'm describing, which was to pick one thought and begin to question with that one thought. And then I saw that thought was tied to other thoughts. Mm -hmm. So we had these core beliefs that we began to believe innocently as children from three to six in our formative years. And we had thought it and thought it and thought it. So it had been repeated, repeated. And then the thought becomes a belief and belief becomes a belief system. Then a paradigm, then a worldview. So we mm -hmm. lose absolute touch with reality. But just isolating one of these thoughts was like pulling like in that game Jenga, you know, uh -huh. that wooden game where if you move, mm -hmm. when you move one, the whole thing collapses. That was my direct experience with some of this mind business. Wow. And that I just kept working one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. And then over time and with practice, I could just work on one simple little, maybe even what looked like an irrelevant concept or thought, but an entire belief system came down, like wow. a, a true collapse of some of the BS. So hopefully you can be encouraged by that. And of course, you've heard me say not to believe me, to test it for yourself, because until you mm. test it for yourself, it's just blah, mm. blah, blah. So what does the crumbling of a belief system look like <laughs> for you? Well, it looked like various things. Like there was these people that, used to, that I generally felt kind of irritated with or annoyed with or something, and then mm. I would see them, and I didn't. Wow. And they, I, I had not worked on them, so to speak. I had not even thought of them. Mm -hmm. But all of that that, was, that I was judgmental about or all that I displaced on them through these belief systems had been taken down. So wow. they, I no longer had any effect from them. I didn't have a reactivity to them anymore. Mm -hmm. It would also include, like I could just catch it as it came through the mind, like if I'm in traffic and the thought is traffic should flow. It's like, I may just giggle, like, <laughs> that is like, like, so false, like, yeah. traffic doesn't flow, that's so mythical, so fantasy based, and then it's like, okay, back to reality. It also got me in touch with, as the basis of that came down, what was really at the root of that. Mm -hmm. So traffic doesn't flow is not really the problem, it's traffic should flow, I'll be late, then they'll think I'm unprofessional, incompetent, I'll lose my reputation, like, it's wow. traffic mm. is just the tip of an iceberg. Mm. So then that whole iceberg gets kind of exposed. It's no longer just about traffic. It's like that's peeled back to say 
under this traffic thought is all this other worry and fear and doubt and panic mm. about this personality, this mm -hmm. profession, this reputation, this whatever, versus being willing for all of it to come. And a, a shorter answer to it, Jason, is how it looked is I was able, when that's down, to see the whole of humanity as Alpha and Omega. Mm -hmm. And then I have a much broader perspective that it's going to be both and. It's not gonna be one or the other. Mm -hmm. And if I keep saying traffic should flow, traffic should flow, like that drains my life energy off versus mm -hmm. when I step back and accept it'll flow and then there'll be times it doesn't. And planes will take off on time and there'll be times they don't. <laughs> And yeah. that's a more reality base. And the more I'm in touch with that reality, the less angst I'm gonna have over it and the less energy I'm gonna drain off. Yeah. Mad about it, irritated about it, like that. Well, I need to stop asking the questions because people here have questions for you. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm assuming, let's see, while well, I've been yakking. Um, Jessica said, thank you. You definitely brought me a lot of comfort. Beautiful, honey. And keep it up, honey. And with some deep breathing and uh, maybe a walk or a salts bath every now and then. Mm, <laughs> Whatever would bath. be good, good <laughs> self-love and self-care for you and whoever's listening for that matter. Shout out to Shantae, Kevin, Eddie, and Lawanda who are watching. <laughs> hi, y'all. Hi. And Reverend Chris. Welcome, <laughs> welcome. Diane. Hi, Diane. <laughs> I haven't seen you forever. Um, so let's see. We do have a question up here from Deborah who says, what about minimalists and a pack rat living in the same house? Where is the compromise? Um, by stopping calling a pack rat a pack rat. <laughs> <That'll>, wow. <laughs> that's, a be that's a beginning. And I'm a minimalist, so it could help to even question is it true that I'm a minimalist? And that the mind has got it set up as minimalist as Good. pack rat. <laughs> <laughs> so until that's shifted, like neither's up or down, neither's good nor bad. Like we're dealing with different uh, belief systems, different personalities. Um, we've not walked in their shoes. So even though I may be the minimalist in some case, like, I don't know what's going on with the pack rats psyche or their needs or their wants or their desires. And I don't know where their values align, you know, with their um, interest. And I can't get into that myself. So in navigating in a common space, then I've had um, people that's worked with me have shared tips about how they did it, which is um, they limited um, the common space, um, so anything that belongs, if Jason and I live together and Jason is a minimalist and I'm the pack rat, then I can't, uh, Jason says, okay, for our common space, you can't have your personal things in there. So you, here's your room, here's your quarters, here's whatever, do whatever in there you want to do. As a minimalist, I'm going to do in my space whatever I want to do. But in our common space, there's got to be more of a balance. So it would be to establish some agreements maybe about it, um, having some uh, way to set it up that you could honor when it gets to a limit just before it tips that you address it instead of letting it get so bad that there's a big blow up um, or that. But 
and to really take down the judgments about them being the way they are. So I'm gonna stop seeing Jason as a human being if I'm judging him as wrong or his ways as wrong, then I'll actually stop seeing him as a human being and close my heart down to him, which is also gonna hurt my heart. And that's an also, got, that's its own energy drain. So I've got the energy drain of the stuff. I've got the energy drain of my judgments on him. I've got my energy drain of how I've gotten frustrated with him and closed my heart off. So it's an exponential effect of that. So there's all sorts of techniques. There's a lot online about minimalism and how to live with people and how not to kill people um, <laughs> like that, how to keep relationships intact as we uh, balance this. And as far as I know, I'll be teaching a class for, through Unity's new Spiritual Explorers format um, in the winter, hopefully starting in February, that will address some of these how-tos that maybe could, could get more to this, Deborah. Than, than this has for you. And thank you, by the way, Deborah is doing uh, painting rocks and oh. putting them out in the world and they're beautiful. And oh. this is Rocktober, which is Martha Creek's month, October, Rocktober. <laughs> and she sent a bunch to Unity for me, for me oh, to put awesome. in the Unity Village Garden out there and to give away as gifts. So thank you for that. And they're in good care as soon as I get them. And I'll be reporting back on where, that, where those rocks ended up. That's awesome. I think I have heard of Deborah. <laughs> I, I, I definitely have heard of these rocks. Um, Lawanda says hello, enjoying you. Um, Harold Ford. Hi, that's Brock. Yeah. Hi, Brock from San Francisco. All the way from San Francisco. Hi, Brock. Uh -huh. Sending um, you love, honey, and your family. Speaking of Brock, Kelly Brockmeyer says, makes sense. All oh. this makes sense. Well, that is the best compliment you can ever give me, <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, because. It's so important to me that whatever teaching I uh, practice and represent and speak is sensible, practical, and applicable. That it's actually some, quote, earthly good. And I got um, several takeaways from this Saturday workshop down here in Miami. And one of it is the power of transformation versus information. And how much for years, decades even, I was about information, like gaining information, gaining information in the next book and the next thing I could tick off and how it's become uh, now for about two decades, 20 years, that it's much more about transforming myself and transforming my way of being in the world, um, not just about gaining information or touting information mm -hmm. or gleaning it. So mm -hmm. this, the fact that you saw this as sensible, honey, is very inspiring to me and mwah. And if it speaks to you in that way, it says a lot about you. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I think if information solely was the key, we'd all be living the perfect life that we want to live because there's no shortage of information. If anything, it's right at our fingertips nowadays. But, and I'm guilty of this, guilt, uh, just taking in information, taking it. I love it because I, I do love to think. And I love just... Well, that's not an energy drain, honey. Like to allow no. some thinking and then to direct thinking, like where mm -hmm. we get off on that, where we can like gain an idea, um, have, a, have a new idea, creation that'll form for it mm -hmm. versus this mad kind of gerbil wheel kind of thinking of analyzing something to death or mm -hmm. speculating about it, making up something versus what was more chronic for me is um, this basic, basic assumption that was pointed out to me by a coach several years ago of this, I need to know. <laughs> I just need to know. 
I must know. And then the hell of I don't know. And at the time, I remember taking that on like that's a cross to bear. And it's like, no, that's really my reality. That is a reality. The truth mm -hmm. is I don't know. Mm -hmm. And it's just less and less frightening. So in the beginning, it was frightening not to know. And now it's like liberating. Like, oh, me not knowing can keep me thinking, learning, reading a book, making a list, having an idea, but without that chronic stress mm. of having to know, need to know, figure it all out, have the answers versus, it's just easier to be a nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was my soul laughing because <laughs> I, I say that my soul always laughs when it hears truth like that. Because it's like the world will tell you the complete opposite. Exactly. That you need to be somebody or if, if you don't, you're nobody. <laughs> and being a nobody is the worst thing that can ever happen exactly. to you. Exactly. But then it's like, it's the best thing that can yeah. happen to me is for me to just be a nobody, like work less at it, mm -hmm. which we also heard this weekend. Like <laughs> work less, not work less, like don't give up your jobs. I, you didn't hear that here. Keep your jobs and work less at it. Like work so much less drudgery, less overwhelm, uh, less energy drains, mm -hmm. more vitality, more creativity, more blessings. What what mm -hmm. can I do versus what do I have to do? Mm -hmm. Well, that was a good laugh. Um, I'm gonna scroll back up to a, a question Juan had because. I was just skipping over him because he was, you know. <gasps> How dare you? Juan, he'll make amends uh, to you later. Yes, I will. But he does, he did ask a very good question. Um, he goes, what is your belief with the idea that eating meat drains energy, that eating a plant-based diet is more spiritual and more energy giving? Well, I think it's up to an individual. So I don't know anything about this nutrition-wise, honey, or that and I'm very clear that people in the world believe it is a moral and ethical issue. I absolutely understand that. And I can just tell you for me that it, it is not that. Um, I believe from uh, my own perspective that there's, not, there's nothing in the world that fits every person in the world. No food plan, no diet, no profession or no anything else and that our, our, our spectrum is much, much broader than that. And I understand it's not a popular answer with some. So I accept where I stand, I accept where you stand, whoever's listening, and um, it, it just, it'll be a drain of your energy if you go to war with this or <laughs> take this on because I don't have any war with you uh, or your ways. And I believe that my responsibility is to look at where my energy goes and I'm going to be the one that speaks to that, that answers to that. So if there's consequences from that, they're my consequences. And that whatever you're doing in the world, if you have consequences from that, that those are your consequences as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't see it as, as, as much as black and white, good or bad or right or wrong. It's much more about feedback and what I can learn from it. and what I would be doing if I were um, um, in integrity with myself and willing to stand in my own decisions and stand in my own consequences, then I'm not going to be um, as tormented about it or as afraid of it. Mm -hmm. And I've seen people on both. I've seen people do purely, purely plant-based 
um, and they had illnesses and of course eventually were all going to die and they had believed that that was going to keep them from having illness and maybe extend their life and I don't know what's true about that and I've seen people that didn't follow that at all that um, had illnesses and eventually died and people that lived a long long time without any nutrition mm. uh, for the most part and I've seen it all around the world I've seen it in um, monasteries and convents and infirmaries and institutional food and some of the folks live there a um, long time on what we call no nutrition so it's something beyond the physical for me and I don't really know anything much about it mm -hmm. Well, that's one thing of the many that I love about you is like you love to talk about reality in this non-absolute like it can happen it can happen I love that about you um, and I I just love it well, it says a lot about you too mm -hmm. that you what you see in me about that and the way I speak it is something that is rings true for you yeah, also, that there is no absolute mm -hmm. and in a world where they're desperately trying to put an absolute down <laughs> and to find a formula. Yeah. Here's the formula, go use it. And mm -hmm. if we, if there was a formula, we'd have it. Yeah. And we're testing them, apparently. And, if our, and as far as I'm concerned, keep testing. Um, just drop the angst if you can. Mm -hmm. And before, uh, before we end, because we literally have four more minutes and I will take any remaining questions, I just want you to know that Martha is doing a workshop here at Unity on the Bay in Miami, Florida tonight at 7 o'clock. It's called Empowered Living. Um, so you get to spend an hour and a half with this amazing woman. Um, is there anything you want to say about that workshop? Just get here if you can. It's very practical. It's ways and means on really how to do what we've been chatting about here for these few minutes. Uh, there's also a teaching online that's very comparable to it. If you go to YouTube and then Martha Creek called Power and Presence, it's free. There's 70 videos there actually and there's about 100 podcasts of teachings like this that are similar. So if this is resonant with you in any way, then get to the teaching and then find ways to keep the teaching close to you. And I um, inspire you to um, do whatever it takes to find your um, ticket out of this, ever how that would look. <laughs> Reclaim your energy, yeah. Reclaim your energy, <laughs> yes. And then be garter, like um, guardians of it, good care keepers of your energy. So um, that as you restore, you do so mindfully, and then you're less and less out to drain it off. Um, and it's not the difference of like being tired. Um, my friend Glenn used to say it like this, I'm a good tired. And that's the difference of like something well done. Like mm. it was a good day, a full day. It was a good use of the energy. So even if all my energy spent, it was an awesome use of that energy. Versus I'm tired, I'm depleted, and I didn't do much of anything that mattered to me today. Mm. <laughs> or I wish I could go back and like take back all that energy. Or I wish I could rewind and have a redo over today. I would direct that energy differently. So that's the difference of it. And it's what I refer to as integrity. 
and I don't know anything about your integrity like you don't know about mine. So you can say I'm out of integrity and it's just not true because you don't know what my integrity is. I can't say that you're out of integrity because I don't know what yours is. And then we become the keepers of our own integrity and hopefully more and more in aligned with what we care about, what matters to us, and what we're going to look back at the end of our life, on our life, and go, awesome job that was a great use of your energy that was a energy well spent instead of looking back and going <laughs> omg redo redo <laughs> um we are almost at 5:45. we can go longer if you want it's up to you i don't know if you have something to do no i'm i'm yours honey. Okay, so the workshop Great. So we have we still have 15 people watching. So we will go on. We do have questions. Um, let's take Dale Stein's question. When you decided to live on the road, how did you make that transition spiritually and energetically and more? Well, you know, Dale, that's a, that would be a, a workshop. Um, I can though tell you it was a 20 year progression. So it wasn't just an awakening. I didn't just wake up one day and decide I'm going to do this. So for 20 consecutive years, even longer now as I speak that, I've been um, reducing. So I said when I moved from a big um, seven acres and a big ranch 3,000 house or something that I'm going from there to a condo, then it was taken out what's gonna fit in a condo and the rest went. And it um, then um, my family came first and hauled it off on their trucks and then friends came and hauled it off on their trucks. and. It was me keeping what I wanted to have in my space. And then as I went from condo to condo, I got more specific about what I want to have with me. So it's been progression. Uh, spiritually, it was um, um, being very clear that I have a calling. And for me to fulfill the calling that I have prohibits me from having um, uh, a lot of things physical in the physical in the material so I'm not against materialism it's up to you you can have it all have eight houses have storage bins have whatever you want to have I cannot have it and keep my vitality high I cannot have it and to fulfill the calling that I have in the world so spiritually I'm very dedicated to that calling and it means then I've got to have more mobility more um, availability uh, more accessibility and that I want my energy going towards something I want to create not drained off on where is it is it insured what's cracked is it broken who to call and I and I did that so I'm aware of the energy that it takes and I'm aware that I cannot uh, any longer do that and be in integrity with myself so getting rid of things took its own course um, I would do it in, in spits and spots, like I may start with a desk or a drawer or a closet or haul shoes out one day or clothes out one day. Um, some things that were harder to move for me, um, which haven't surprised people when I've spoken about this in the past, included books. Mm -hmm. And I had a book, you maybe can't even tell how big this office is, but this, this would have been full of books. And I believe they contained the Holy Grail and they were very, very important to me. So to f begin to get rid of them or to even think about getting rid of them would cause me to gasp or to um, just put my brakes on. 
So I had to do it systematically. I did it by coming into reality. I would even talk myself down off the book ledge, I call it, where I could see these books are not, um, these books I can have by this time tomorrow. I can order them, have them delivered to my house. Every person I know nearly has these books. I could have them, borrow them. Libraries have them. Um, they're available everywhere. So I had to get re realistic about what I have invent, what I believe these books contain and to tell myself the truth about it. I also got clearer and clearer every time I would pick them up to move them, how heavy they are, that that represented something metaphorically and spiritually to me, that they're, they're heavy on me. And holding these books and keeping these books and keeping up with these books, depending on these books, were something encumbering to me, heavy on me. They were not lightening me or enlightening me which was a big, big turnaround for what I believe the books were doing. Um, photos, things becoming digital, documents, just over time and through technology and through experience really of just seeing what's possible of when I don't want to have a place um, or be bound in one place or uh, any responsibility of a place. So it's been 20 years now since I've owned property. It's been 14 years wow. since I've had a lease or anything illegal in my name. And I've been graced and, and um, blessed by people opening their homes for me to stay there for extended periods like house sitting. And then I had a room with a very dear and close friend that I was able to keep. And it was like having a hotel room that I didn't have to book or reserve. Although I was only there about 10% of the time, there was still a, a um, um, sense of responsibility yes a sense mm -hmm. of responsibility about it and informing there was also some relief and like there's at least some place i can go without having to reserve it or keep track of its reserved or something like that so i had some dependency on it mm -hmm. and i gave that away two years ago this past april so i've been um in a very extreme case of this that people call nomadic, <laughs> gypsy-like, homeless, whatever. And the big, big difference is um, that it's an option for me. It's not um, something that I have to do. It's something that I have, um, or something has chosen me to do it. Mm -hmm. So it's a big difference of when we have to do certain things and being in a bind and having to versus having the freedom and the liberation to make a choice about it. I hope that answered your question, Dale. And in this winter, that's the course that I'm teaching, Dale, I think they'll name it something like right-sizing your life, right-sizing. And I really don't see it as downsizing. I believe you don't have to downsize. Um, I don't believe it's about minimalism unless you're into minimalism. It's about right-sizing your life. So having the right amount of things, the right amount of space, the right amount of a job, the right amount of... Um, hours of the day directed somewhere um, for you to have an optimal, creative, uh, interesting life. So uh, tune in if you can when the time comes, Spiritual Explorers. Yeah, and just so we're clear, that doesn't take place at Unity on the Bay. It's actually a Unity- Worldwide. Worldwide. Mm -hmm. um, I guess you can go to unity.org to find uh -huh. out about that. Yeah, and it's on Facebook under Spiritual Explorers if you search that. And there's already some classes out there now that are listed for this particular season and mine's not listed. So uh, hopefully it's gonna be out in the winter. 
Um, let's see here. Do, 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 just scrolling up. You got some so time. lovely to see your faces and your names <laughs> and these hearts and this love is so so obvious here. Beautiful. It is. It is. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Diane says, "Stay in integrity with self." Ain't that the truth? And then repeat. You know, when just hearing that, it's like it's not a place we can stay. It's like. Um, it's, it's a direction to go in, not a destination. So there's be times that I'm in love and can come from a heart energy, a heart-based living, and there'll be times I leave that, that I shut that down, uh, that I leave integrity with myself. So it's like not to try to think that you can stay there or that it's some place that we just arrive, but it's a direction we're going in. And then when I catch myself uh, distracted or detoured or whatever that I get right back on track with something that's more interesting for me. Dale, he's a, he's Dale, <laughs> Dale is a wordsmith. I love right? this, Dale. Nomadic or nomadic. <laughs> K N O W. Nomadic or N O Matic. Yes. yes, the latter. Thank you. Michelle says, Martha, I so needed to see your face today. Oh, good, honey. <laughs> It's so available. <laughs> <laughs> we could even zoom really close in uh -huh. on her face here if you want. Um, let's see. Oh, Diane asks a juicy question here. How to keep in relationship with those who, who you love who have different political beliefs? Well, you know, I can't, again, I don't have any answers for you. I can say that m the people closest to me have extremely different political views than me. And so far... Um, we're still in relationship. Now, I'm aware of it and I've set limits about it. So I would say there's things, I've heard this from the elders years ago, there's just certain things I won't discuss. And it could be, and we've been taught this, politics and religion. <laughs> so that seems to be the hot buttons with people. Mm -hmm. And there's times that I'm willing to have a conversation about it depending on where my energy is and depending on my own capacity to self-define and how I can hear somebody's differing views, even polar, opposite different views, and to regulate myself so I wouldn't go to war with it or that I wouldn't make it wrong or be as, as judgmental about it and that I could still define myself in relationship to it and to say it's not where I stand or it's not what I believe or think without displacing that onto them so that I, they, they don't have to hear, hopefully, that because I disagree that we have to be disagreeable, mm -hmm. that I can disagree with you in love, agree in love, disagree in love. And I've had a big, some, several big breakthroughs with that, including um, not making disagreements a problem and being so disagreement phobic. Uh, like I, we always have to agree on matters versus no, we don't and I don't have to shut off and close down and get all um, righteous and indignant because there's things that we differ on. Mm. And there's as many things I believe that we differ on that we, um, is it, and that we agree on and these things take an over focus, mm. I think. Mm. So um, I don't know how uh, to do it. I don't think, again, there's any formula for this. I just know that for me, I've had to limit it, what I'm willing to discuss and who with. And it's like I'm not going to poke a beehive um, without understanding the consequences of that. 
and to use just some common sense about it. Um, I also um, am less and less interested in pounding my head against a brick wall and wondering why my head's bleeding. So um, what else can we talk about? <laughs> well, one thing that you taught me over the years that I keep in mind when, I, when there's a possible argument happening is that I always imagine myself on the same side of the table just like we're now. Yeah. I literally mentally think I imagine it. So when I go into a potentially heated discussion that can turn into an argument, it really helps me try to see that person not not as an enemy, but just as somebody who I'm having a discussion with like this. Yeah. And just the image of that in my head really helps me. It's beautiful, honey. What Jason is describing is basic mediation training in that if we have a disagreement or something that the issue is not Jason, the issue is not Martha, and that if we can come together, and we often, we have these dividers where you get on that side of the desk and I'm on this side of the desk. Mm -hmm. So we keep something between us, which is more than, we're more prone than to make you my issue. Instead of, no, Jason, you come around here, get on the same side, even though we don't agree. We do have some things in common. We want to seek an outcome, a mm -hmm. suitable, agreeable outcome. We want to resolve this. So something is mutual in our agreements. And then the issue is put out here on the table. So that instead mm -hmm. of looking at each other as the issue, that I'm looking at the issue itself, which could be something like you didn't, you don't lock the door, you don't set the alarm clock in a shared space, you've got too much clutter in the shared space, or you have uh, opposing political views or whatever. But if I stop making another person the issue and keep the issue out front, it's going to go a long way toward resolution. And whether we can ever arrive somewhere or not, if whether we irrelevant really, whether we ever agree on it or not, we're not going to be as in much stress. We're not mm. going to have as much angst over it if we keep it clear what the issue is and not make each other the issue. That that's huge. Like you can bring that into a lot of uh, things in your life to really help you, like you say, stay in the in the thinking mind instead of regressing into the reptilian mind. Is that yes. what you call it? Yes. Uh, animals, mm -hmm. yes, snakes and lizards. That is, <laughs> snakes do not play with yarn. Yes, <laughs> um, Deborah says, seeing the innocence in all. Oh, that's true. Thanks for the reminder of respecting views without cutting off. Diane says, Yeah, well, cutting off is pretty normal for us because it's like. Um, just like, but it comes from the animalistic brain, the reptilian brain. So we either mm -hmm. cut off, which is like the crawling under a rock. Um, I'm out of here. You don't get it. I can't talk to you. You'll never change whatever is going on there. So I'm out of here, which doesn't mean that I wouldn't actually leave sometimes, but I would leave thoughtfully. I would leave like, you know, this is not effective. We're not really getting anywhere here instead mm -hmm. of screw you, I'm out of here, mm -hmm. which is what the cutoff is. And then a more extreme cutoff is that then I keep that judgment about you all the way to my grave. Like instead of like, that was a moment in time. Like we've known each mm -hmm. other that long mm -hmm. and we've had this much boogers, <laughs> you know, like generally most of the time it goes pretty well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's intense and it's painful and hard and it's like, I don't have to love that, but I don't have to live in a relationship like that to that to that's everything. Mm -hmm. So then how to like instead of like divorce somebody, 
or divorce of friend even, it's like how to just pull back a little bit to say, let me get myself restored, let me gain some perspective here, let me allow some time for things to process. These are all things, by the way, that's in this workshop tonight in this empowered living, which is how to do some of this, to not be as extreme, to um, pull back a little bit, to allow time for things to process, and including to accept that there's gonna be times that I've got to stand alone in certain matters. There's been no leader in history that didn't have time where, times where they had to um, really just stand alone, to take a stance and to bear um, it not being popular. And we, as leaders, I believe we're absolutely, absolutely required to make some decisions um, during the course of our life that will not be popular. Uh, all of you that are parents know a lot about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are at six o'clock. Okay. Um, so we have to start wrapping this up, but I wanted to ask you if there was any piece of advice that you could give, just a, one thing that you could pick you could look in that camera and tell anybody who's watching now or will watch this video eventually, what would it be? Ask yourself for advice. Follow your own advice. Your wisdom is the truer wisdom. Not this wisdom. Uh, the higher wisdom. And a small second piece, keep watching Tea Time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Martha. <laughs> so we, uh, thank you for being here today, really. Um, I absolutely enjoy doing this and I enjoy it even more with you. So I hope when you're back here, you'll sit down with me again. And I know everybody out there on the interwebs has enjoyed this. Mm -hmm. um, so we do, do, we do do tea time usually once a week and we have different people in here so that you have access to them. Um, again, Martha's workshop is here at Unity on the Bay tonight at 7 p.m. Um, in the garden room. There's still time to make it over here. Um, is there anything else we have to say? No, I, you know how to find me. The website has my contact information. I'm here to serve those who serve. There's a calendar, a newsletter that comes out free once a month. It's got the whole schedule on it. Get in the room with me if you can anywhere. If this teaching is meaningful, share it. Like go post this, encourage people to listen, to learn. And um, we all have our part in um, creating a world that interests us. And we're the ones. All blessings to you. And this is Jason and Martha signing Thank out. Thank you, Jason. Love you. Love you too. He's my love affair. <laughs> She's love my love affair. <laughs> love to you all. Till Bye. next time. <laughs>